So the team needed an extra day off. No big deal. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free, and I really appreciate your support. For those of you who are watching on YouTube and you haven't done it yet, it's easy. Click that subscribe button. If you like the episode, hit that thumbs up, and don't forget to hit the bell notification. That way, it's your reminder. Locked on USC comes out to you five times a week, and you won't miss one episode. To the thousands of you who have already become a subscriber, thank you so very, very, very much. We're uh, we're almost at three thousand subscribers, and it's been hasn't even been a full year yet. Let's see if we can double that number in even less time. All right. So the last time I tried to uh, bring you a practice report, um, practice got canceled. And uh, this was last Thursday. So most assumed that the weather, which had been playing a role, uh, had probably been the issue and why Lincoln Riley decided to, uh, we'll use the word, we'll, we'll say he postponed, rescheduled uh, the practice uh, because maybe he wanted the fields to be, you know, maybe the fields weren't in good enough condition because it didn't rain on Thursday. Uh, we, I mean, we got word, the media got word at 9 a.m., uh, for a 4 p.m. in the afternoon practice that it was it was done. It was called off. Scheduling conflict. Well, there's a reason why I started a little mini rant on uh, our last episode of Locked on USC. It's because I had already known why practice was shuttered, uh, but I wanted to make sure that Riley had an opportunity to explain his rationale. I wasn't just going to throw it out there and and kind of, you know, bust balls so to speak. Um, and I, I and I knew also ahead of time that, that Lincoln wasn't going to sacrifice one of the uh, 15 allocated practice sessions you're, you're allowed during the spring. But still, you know, why was it necessary? I needed to hear it from him to give the team a day off. I mean, in my mind, they had three days of spring practice. Then they took, what, 11 days off for spring break. And then they came back and they actually, they practiced in the rain. So for me already, weather wasn't uh, an issue because he was willing to get everybody suited up, full pads, and and head out on, head out there in, in the rain and in the cold, not go indoors like they do at Ohio State when it dips below 60 degrees and it's not raining. Um, and again, this year, you know, they have more depth because of Lincoln Riley's recruiting and most more importantly, probably the transfer portal. But well, when Riley spoke to uh, the media on Saturday following their practice, uh, he let he let us know that the team was missing just too many players at key positions to have a productive practice. So maybe it's just me, but I have a I have a hard time with contradict with contradictions, contradictory statements, and in no way. Let me make this very clear. I am not defending Clay Helton. Okay? Can't say it any clearer than that. However, 
if Helton had canceled uh, or postponed or rescheduled uh, a practice because, quote, we've been a little limited at some of the positions, and that's why we changed practice the other day. You only get 15 of these. We get our window of time, and so we'll end up doing our four-day practice week, obviously one of the next two weeks, to make up for it. But we had just enough guys out in a couple of key positions that we uh, that were tough to practice with. Because he then also went on to say, we're a little bit stronger. This is just a little bit more, there's just a little bit more depth when you put the twos, the backups uh, in, which don't really even, which we don't really even know who the twos are at this point. But when the second wave of players goes in, there's, there's not as much of a drop-off. There's just more good players on the field. And then some of the players that we brought back are more physically developed and a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. We feel a little sturdier, I guess. Just to me as a whole, which obviously was a goal for us, and we talked about a lot about this during the offseason. So while those comments aren't mutually exclusive and there's you know, there's some nuance involved, especially in that the, the, the last uh, last comments there. If you've got more depth and you can't really discern the twos, the backups from your starters, why cancel, postpone, reschedule the practice? And what are those key positions? Because again, had Helton tried this? Had he pulled this page out of his playbook? I just have a feeling all hell would have broken loose from the fans. And I'll even say, had he done that after his Rose Bowl winning season? Last year, Lincoln Riley, first year, 11 wins, huge turnaround. Lincoln Riley gets the benefit of the doubt. He's earned it, even from me. However, that doesn't mean I can't raise these questions, right? I mean, he is the pulse of his team. He knows what's best, much more than I do. But besides that tight end position, which he talked about, he tried to, you know, laugh it away, that he's not happy about it number-wise, what other positions are thin? I mean, I know what I've seen out of practice, and I'm not allowed to talk about who's not able to participate. Um, so unless that those positions have have grown exponentially. Um, I don't know. Something just didn't seem right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I know that there's, again, I can't mention, but, you know, Lincoln Riley mentioned uh, Cortland Ford. Uh, he had his hand wrist procedure in February. He hasn't been available. Are there other offensive linemen who are getting dinged up? And again, is it so bad now that the backups are starting to get worn down because they're taking all those extra reps uh, because the first you know, first team guys aren't available. I actually wrote about this in my Sunday takeaway over there at wearesc.com. Um, and some of the fans got a little defensive that, you know, because I was questioning a Lincoln Riley decision. But again, let me be perfectly clear. Even if my writing wasn't, I apologize for that. Um, I love that spring camp has been physical, but it's okay to question. Has it been too physical to the point that he needed to reevaluate? I mean, we're only at the halfway point and that includes included a spring break in between that halfway point from when they started. 
So too many guys aren't available to make practice productive at the halfway point. It's okay to ask the question, has it been too physical? I asked Lincoln Riley on Saturday. He feels no, it hasn't been. I didn't ask him, you know, specifically has it been too physical. Uh, he was talking about the learning curve um, when he was dealing with Kyla Murray. Uh, and this is on top of USC just re earning the commitment from Deuce Robinson, who is going to be an elite two-sport start USC with baseball and football, just like Kyla Murray at, Kyla Murray at Oklahoma. And Riley's talked about how, you know, they had to find that balance because the body needs time to recover. So that was my question. You know, did you were were they being too physical too soon, where the body has their bodies hadn't had enough time to recover, where you're already canceling, postponing, rescheduling a Thursday practice, and then getting right back at it again just a couple of days later on Saturday, which Lincoln Riley said was extremely physical, um, which is great. So, again, um, I, I, Thursday wasn't necessarily wasted. I'm sure, you know, they put in some film time and, and they used some other mental preparation uh, with the team. They just can say, hey, you guys get a day off, go. Maybe there was some lifting, who knows. Uh, what I do know and what everybody found out on Thursday later in the day is that, the, is that Riley was able to strengthen the 2023 roster. And he was able to do it at a key position uh, when Deuce Robinson made his commitment. The number one tight end uh, by many recruiting services in the country. And when Deuce committed to USC, that gave the Trojans a top 10 recruiting class. But they might just be getting started. And I'll tell you why in the next segment. First, Monday, by the time, well, if you're making this your first listen or your first watch, later on, you've got the uh, the finals, San Diego State versus UConn. So head on over to the Built March Madness bracket. It's here. You get to vote. Go vote for your favorite bar or puff. Now is your time to make a count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I voted throughout the month of March for double chocolate bar. You know me, I'm a chocoholic. And if you wanted USC to win, then that's who you were voting for as well. Well, when you head on over there, you'll be able to vote for your favorite bar or puff. And you'll be able, well, you won't be able to vote anymore because this was all the way through March. But you, seriously, you got to go try Built. They are the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so good for you. They're amazing. You won't even know they're good for you. They're made with 100% real chocolate. They're high in protein and they're low in sugar. So run over to run on over to builtmarchmadness.com right now. You can still vote for your favorite bar puff, and you're going to be able to pick up a box while you're there. So vote for your pick in March. Hop on in, support your pick. All right, Pete Carroll's second recruiting class at USC was was ranked pretty highly. There was no on three yet. There was no twenty four seven yet, but there was scout. US, they had rated USC nationally with a twelfth, uh, the number twelve ranked class, and rivals. Uh, they gave USC the thirteenth nationally ranked class. Some of the members in that class included Darnell Bing, Manuel Wright, 
Jason, oh, Winston Justice, Fred Matua, Tom the Bomb Malone, Jason Mitchell, Herschel Dennis, Kyle Williams, Dominic Bird, tight end, Dallas Sartz, Justin Wyatt, Chris McFoy, Mike Williams, BMW, Lawan Ramsey, Oscar Lua, Brandon Hancock, among others. That was what Pete Carroll was able to do coming off a 6-6 six and six regular season and a Vegas full appearance. I figure quoted that. If you're old enough, you remember who USC played. And uh, like I said, they showed up, sort of. <clears throat> uh, the Trojans, uh, I guess the question is, are the Trojans about to go on another Pete Carroll type of run? And I'm not just talking about winning games and recruiting top 10 classes. I'm talking about selecting players that will compromise those top 10 or higher recruiting classes. Can Lincoln Riley duplicate an NCA record 63 straight 20 point game scores, game scored? How about uh, 25 first team All Americans? 53 players selected in the NFL draft, including 14 first rounders. How about three Heisman Trophy winners? Well, he's off to a good start. He's already got one. Uh, this is what else Pete Carroll did. He had four top five recruiting classes. He had a 34-game winning streak between 2003 and 2005. And uh, winning streaks, he had a winning streak at home of 21 games, 17 in the Pac-10, and a 25-1 and record in the month of November. So, how many of you have seen that NFL network, uh, who is the NFLU, who is the number one football factory of all time video? It's over there on YouTube. Go check it out. That was produced back in 2007. And that was at the tail end of uh, experience, what was really a really special time in USC's history. 2008 had, hadn't even happened yet. But uh, the status was the perception of USC at that time was already at at levels that were hard to describe. And they again, they didn't see USC's 2018 yet, which might have been Pete Carroll's best team, at least defensively. Um, they had earned the number one status. Rich Eisen, who was on who's part of the NFL network, said it best. Quote, what there Pete Carroll is doing now is just downright silly. It's unbelievable, end quote. The U, Miami U's, Jesse Hester, uh, he couldn't believe when he what he was hearing when he found out USC was number one and Miami was number two. And let's be honest, the Hurricanes, they had a legitimate argument back then. But remember, Hurricane fan, uh, when How Howard Schnellenberger took over your program, he uh, he's the one who said, and this was back in the 1970s, he wanted to make Miami the USC of the East. And when you're watching that uh, that NFL's number one factory, NFL, who is college football's NFL number one development factory? It's a lot to say. It's hard to dispute why USC is number one, why they are the NFL's why they are a factory of developing players for the NFL. Um, 
there's a lot of great quotes in that montage. And if you just use the ones from the Trojan players, it's their success at the collegiate level. For one, they have 11 national championships. Then they had seven. Now they have eight Heisman Trophy winners. And they also had what they called a uh, a secret weapon that had Russia concerned among their 151 All-Americans. Yeah, not only did USC put the first man on the moon, Neil Armstrong, uh, they also developed the NFL's first secret weapon, Marcus Allen. He came, he was coming off a Super Bowl performance that was just mind-boggling. And I know a lot of recruits today probably have no idea who Bruce Matthews is. Um, however, Bruce Matthews, Go look him up. He takes great pride in knowing that USC has the most players in the NFL Hall of Fame. That was back in 2007. Today, most recruits probably know the name Clay Matthews, uh, who played for Green Bay, uh, more than they know Clay Sr. or Bruce Matthews. The Mannings, Archie, Peyton, Eli, uh, they are the quarterback royalty of the NFL. Well, the Matthews are NFL royalty because they played multiple positions. They just didn't play quarterback. They protected the quarterback in Bruce Matthews' case. They chased quarterbacks in both Clay Matthews' case. And that's why USC is the NFL's number one football factory. It's because when you have as many players as they have going into the NFL – at all positions, there's no question recruits are going to want to continue to play at USC. This is what Lincoln Riley has in front of him right now. Because recruits, look, they can get turned on by the USC swag. You know, again, watch the video. You're going to talk, they talk about the daunting, intimidating fight song. And USC does play it. Maybe not 5,000 times a game, but when they're doing great, you hear it 4,768 times a game. Um, you see Traveler, the white horse, galloping around the Coliseum every time they score a touchdown. You see Tommy Trojan on top of Traveler. It's, it's hypnotizing. It's what drew me in as a kid. USC has the song girls, and we talk about the weather all the time. But all of that. That pales in comparison to all of those players that have walked the tunnel from the locker room to the Coliseum field. Think about it. this is think about how USC was perceived during her glory years in the 60s, in the 70s, and then again at the turn of the century when Pete Carroll took over. They were the it girl. But even during the lean years after Pete Carroll, when the it girls stopped caring, or at least that's you know, the fans kind of felt that way about her appearance. Uh, when they when USC got put on restriction by some fat tyrant, it kind of felt like USC stopped caring. But even during that time, USC still developed players. Maybe not as many, maybe not at the same rate as what was going on during the Pete Carroll era. But what if Riley is about to take USC on another ride like Pete Carroll took USC fans. 
in recruiting, in player development, and dominating their competition on the field. Look, Lincoln Riley just wrapped up his first top 10 recruiting class after winning 11 games. And he's got the best player in college football returning in Caleb Williams. If Lincoln Riley can take USC into the playoffs in year two, all bets are off. I mean, in today's era of NIL and instant player gratification, I mean, literally, USC could be on another historic run. And it will probably it'll probably carry even more clout because of their new big conference affiliation that they'll be starting in, in 2024. Look, in the past, I asked what Pete Carroll would do in today's NIL and portal era. Let's flip that script. If Riley's about to embark on a similar run, which I think everybody's starting to get that feeling, then the top of USC's coaching totem pole, that could be changing. Um, by the way, who is USC's best head coach ever? Let's discuss that in the next segment. So when it comes to quotes, quips, being witty, let's just give the award to John McKay. I mean, the guy had complete command when he was speaking. Um, he he knew how to own own the room. He knew how to own the media. So did P. Carroll. Both of those guys knew how to work the room. They were just different how they went about it. Coach McKay, he was more sarcastic, like I said, witty, very straightforward. Uh, P. Carroll was the energetic rah-rah guy. I mean, he knew how to be serious also, but their, their personalities could not be any more different. And then, you know, Coach John Robinson, he probably gets the uh, honorable mention award, Miss Congeniality, uh, even though, you know, he was a coach when he coached a couple of Heisman winners, Marcus White, excuse me, Marcus, Charles White, Marcus Allen, uh, and he also won a national championship, but John McKay has a couple of, you know, he, he has a couple of uh, Heisman winners under his belt. He also has a couple of his three national champions, four national championships under his belt. That puts him above John Robinson. And look, I, look, I get it. The eras were different and the games have changed a lot from the years when McKay was coaching. Um, but don't forget, not only did John McKay have two Heisman winners, he probably could have had a couple more. From 1960 through 1975, that's when John McKay coached at USC. His overall record, 127, 40, and 8. There's no more ties in college football. John McKay would have gone for it more than he wouldn't have. So let's just split the difference. Let's assume 131 and 44 would have been his final record. In those 16 seasons as Trojan head coach, he lost a total of 17 conference games. He was 5-3 and three in the Rose Bowl, 6-3 overall bowl record. His final bowl game was the Liberty Bowl over Texas A&M. He had 16 consensus All-Americans. 
and I mentioned the two Heisen winners. Again, he probably deserved to have two more, Anthony Davis, Ricky Bell. The four national championships, 1962, 1967, 72, and 74. <clears throat> that is a pretty good resume in 16 years. Win a national If you average it out, win a national championship every four years. I'll take it. This is what Pete Carroll did. He had two BCS championship game appearances, 2005, the win over Oklahoma, and we know about the 2006, greatest game of all time, allegedly, in the game against Texas. Back-to-back uh, -back national championships, 2003-2004, played for that third one. Seven consecutive top four finishes in the AP, AP poll. Six BCS Bowl victories. Seven consecutive BCS Bowl appearances. A national record. 33 consecutive weeks as the number one ranked team in the AP poll. A record of 97 and 19. That's 83.6%. That's a winning percentage of 83.6%. He, uh, he went 14-2 and two against Notre Dame and UCLA. That'll get it done. I mentioned uh, 63 straight 20-point games. I, I, went over, I went over those numbers. We know about his uh, three Heisman Trophy winners, Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush. He had four top five recruiting classes, 34-game winning streak from 2003 through 2000. Five, uh, and then I went over the other winning streaks at home. And don't forget, twenty-five and one in the month of November. Look, I will be the first person to say it, and I think John McKay would agree. What Pete did from in, during his tenure from two thousand one through two thousand nine, unprecedented. Alabama and others—they've come close, but playing for three straight national championships, that's tough. Um, and now with the playoffs, it's probably going to be even harder to to replace or to duplicate what USC did during Pete Carroll's era. And it'll probably make it even harder to replace them from the top of that USC totem pole. Yeah. I've got Pete Carroll, John McKay, John Robinson. Where's Lincoln Riley going to fit? He's just getting started. We're going to find out soon. Because if he, if he's about to take USC on a, on a ride, like what Pete Carroll did, and again, that feel, I, I've seen this movie before. He's starting to stockpile talent, and we know the offense is going to score at least 20 points a game, every game this year. If that defense improves, just 30%, 40%. Get ready for the ride. Uh, because it could be one of those, uh-oh, here we go again. I don't know if they'll win 34 in a row again. They're going to be playing in the big conference. They're going to have a much tougher time reaching those, those accolades. But Lincoln Riley, top-tier quarterback, top-tier skill players, is Deuce Robinson the next Mike Williams? 
you ain't going to be playing tight end like you're accustomed to tight end. He now has his ultimate big receiver to go with those shiftier, smaller skill guys that he has at wide receiver and at running back. Fun times ahead, Trojan fans. All right. I got to thank you, everyone, again, for making Locked on USC your first listen today. For your second listen, go check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball, especially with the NCAA final game going on. You're going to want to hear it from the experts, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton. They're going to bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you're going to hear it from other big name experts, coaches, players throughout the basketball landscape. So head on over to Locked on College Basketball. It's available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And then, you know me, I'm here five days a week for you, Locked on USC. When you're done making Locked on USC your first listen and you've got your college basketball fix, head on over to wrc.com. We've got it all for you. Scott Schrader, he's got his recruiting podcast going. You've got to check out his rants. Pretty good. Eric McKinney, he's covering the team for you this week. If I'm not at practice, Greg Katz, he's got his articles. You've got Chris Arledge giving you his musings. We have got you covered in every way, shape, or form. And then when you need everything you want in 30 minutes or less, right back here, Locked on USC, five days a week. That's what I do. So until then, everyone, you know what to do.